All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. Uh, today, we've got Justin Dobbs with us. How are you doing, Justin? I'm doing well. Thank God. Good, good to see you. But uh, so we had a couple of different topics that we were planning on discussing um, today. Um, and uh, we'll see if Scott is able to get us going on one of those here in just a minute. But before uh, we do that, we were in the Gospel of Mark. Um, and so we can continue talking a little bit about in Mark um, and then maybe move on to some of the other topics um, if Scott wanted to talk about some of those uh, this week, depending on his connection. So we were. And I'm trying to remember, Justin, you had a topic you were going to do, and then I was going to do a topic. I was thinking I was today, or were you today? You were, you today? were today. You were today. I was today. Okay. All right. That's what I was thinking, which means I should have been online sooner. Uh, but I'm um, sorry, I wasn't. I was driving along and now the place is locked up and my battery is low. So uh, we'll get one of these started and you guys may need to finish this up. So I sent some notes uh, and threw out four ideas. Did either of you guys have a preference for one of those four ideas? Would so you I want to talk about the 10 lepers of uh, Luke 17? Would you yeah. be up for that yeah. one? Let's do that. So let's get to the text there. Look, hand me my Bible there. And it's in Luke chapter 17. And while I'm turning, if one of you guys beats me to it, uh, go ahead and read that parable for us. Yeah, it's uh, Luke 17, uh, verse 11, uh, beginning. Uh, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was not one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So uh, interesting account. Wonderful thing happened here to the lepers. Interesting account of how they reacted and what Jesus said. And so I think there's a number of lessons that we can learn from what's going on in this text. Um, and I'll, I'll start with one and then I'll ask you guys to be, uh, pitching in and, and pointing out other lessons that we can gain from this text. But the, the one that I'd like to start with is just, uh, doing what most people do because that's what everybody else is doing is a pretty bad way to judge the right and wrong of something. So let's imagine we're the 10 lepers and Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest and on the way we're healed. And, you know, you're standing there, there's nine other lepers with you. Everybody is healed. Everybody said, yeah, let's just go on to the priest for, let's not go back and say, thank you. That's their mindset is you're going back. Maybe you even have a discussion about it. Maybe there wasn't, but you're going to be the only guy that turns around and goes back if you do, or if you have a discussion, maybe they're saying, well, it's not necessary. Let's enjoy our freedom or, or whatever reason they have. Only one returns. 
and nine do something else. The fact that he was in the minority didn't make him wrong. Jesus obviously pointed out he was the right one. He did what was right. In fact, Jesus's question is, you know, where are the other nine? Mm-hmm. So uh, real quickly, what are some times in biblical history when going along with the crowd was a really bad idea? Well, in, Flood. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Flood. Um, I suppose there were some people that mocked Noah, you know, and uh, come flood time, however many people there were on the whole face of the earth, nobody survives but the eight people in Noah's family. Uh, give us a couple more. Um, when the kingdom of Israel and Judah split and Jeroboam starts his own religion for the northern kingdom. And then the northern kingdom was the majority of the nation of Israel, but the southern kingdom was at least attempting to follow God. They had their mistakes, but they were worshiping at the temple. And when Jeroboam says worship up here, um, it, you know, it's, that was the wrong thing to do, even if you're part of a whole bunch of tribes saying that, Justin. John 6, Jesus is teaching, and then uh, because of his teaching, most of the crowd leaves him. There's 5,000 plus people. And then when he's done, he just turns to his measly 12, and that's all yeah. that, that remains. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and lastly, we'll just mention in the wilderness. You know, how many of the generation that came out of Egypt got to go into the land? Two people. Yeah. And they were two of the 12 spies uh, that went in uh, before the 40-year wandering. And they're the two that said to trust God and, and we can do it through him. And the other 10 are the ones that the people listen to. And then, of course, Jesus says, uh, enter in by the straight and narrow gate for broad is the way that leads to destruction and many go that way. So don't do something just because, well, everybody else at church does this. All the other brethren do this. All the churches do this. All the people in my neighborhood do this. All Americans do this. Most people do this. That's not what makes something right or wrong. So that's, mm-hmm. point, that's one point. What are some other points we can uh, learn from this account of the lepers? Yeah, I like the, um, the, just the description of the leper, and there's maybe a, a few different points, but I'll just try to keep it at one. Um, there, there are a number of things that are impressive about this one guy, um, but the way that it's worded in verse 15, um, it, it looks like he's like, it, it doesn't use the word that's often used in scripture where it says like immediately, but the text kind of seems to indicate that. It says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back praising God and he went to to Jesus there's this kind of immediate like I need to go back to the source um kind of thing there's promptness behind kind of what he does um and that's something that Jesus teaches often um about the kingdom of heaven uh especially in like Matthew chapter 6 is where maybe it's most uh straightforward when Jesus says that you need to seek first the kingdom of God this guy made it his priority to go and honor and glorify Jesus um, and I don't know, does it, I don't think it mentions how long that they had been lepers, um, but any length of time as a leper would have been miserable. And to finally be freed from that 
and be able to reintroduce yourself to society, go back to your family, go back to your friends, start your life or whatever. Um, you'd want to maybe kind of take advantage of that. But this guy wants to first go back and thank Jesus. Um, he doesn't go and put all of his affairs in order first and then go and thank Jesus or write Jesus a nice card or something like that. It's like, first, I'm going to go back and thank the Lord for what he's done for me. That's just a really good example for us in not only promptness, but in our priorities, um, how we come before the Lord. Um, it should be first, but it also should be immediate. Um, and that's something that I think I need to train myself more on doing when good things happen to, as, as my first reaction, thank God for that, instead of just, wow, this is great. Well, good luck. Uh, and kind of have that mentality. Like every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights, James chapter one says. And so we need to be thanking God for the, the blessings that he's given us. And this guy, this guy understood that. I think that's a really good example. Good. Justin. Well, I was, I was going to, I want to pile onto that one a little bit uh, and then make a slightly different point. But um, yeah, I think Thanksgiving, Jesus notices uh, their lack of gratitude. He doesn't just say, oh, well, you're welcome. And he talks to the one. He says, wait a minute. Weren't there nine of you guys before? Where where are the rest of them? There there are 10 total. Um, God notices ingratitude. Um, I think as as parents, we we understand something of that. You know, uh, when our children start complaining, you know, or they're asking for a meal, but they're not doing it in such a gracious way, uh, a thankful, trusting way. you know, we, we, we take note of that, and that kind of hurts us a little bit. Um, we're studying through numbers right now as a church on Sundays, and uh, numbers is just full of examples of people complaining yeah. all the time, showing a lack of gratitude and a lack of trust. Uh, and one example in particular is in Numbers 11. It's a place that came to be known as Kibroth Hatava, uh, Graves of Craving, uh, the people were complaining again, and they wanted food this time, and God sent them quail. Um, and it says in verse 33 that while the meat was yet between their teeth, before it was consumed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck down the people with a very great plague, which seems almost kind of fickle. If, if you, At first sight, you know, God feeds them and then kills them before they have a chance to even finish their meal. And it's not that God's fickle, it's that the people are ungrateful, uh, and they don't pause to thank God uh, for the gifts that he's given. They're, they're just consumed with their, their lusts, and it leads to their death. Um, do we worship God and serve God and see the blessings, as Jonathan pointed out from James 1, see the blessings from God as just a reminder of how good he is, or are we just after the blessings? Um, yeah. here, here were 10 lepers, and they just wanted to be cleansed. And then when one of them was cleansed, he realized, wow, um, Jesus is, is great. I need to go and, and thank him and praise God for that. It wasn't the leprosy. It was his relationship with God that was the priority. Christians should be a thankful people. We should yeah. be a, a grateful, joyful people. A um, number of passages tell us to be thankful. But First Thessalonians 5 comes to mind, verse 18, uh, where he says to thank God in all circumstances. Um, I think there are a number of circumstances we might not want to show thankfulness for, uh, but in God's hands, they they are gifts, and we need to remember that. Paul and Silas, after being beaten with rods, they're chained up and feed in stocks, and they start praising God. 
uh, when Paul writes back to the Philippians, which is where that happened, he said, you know, we're called to not just believe, but also to suffer. And he tells him in chapter four, don't be anxious. This is Philippians chapter four, uh, after verse four saying, rejoice in all things. And it continues on down in the next verses saying, don't be anxious in everything. Let your requests, petitions be made known to God with thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Gratitude is one of the most significant secrets in life. Shouldn't be a secret, but it just people that are not grateful. Just stop and think about it for a minute. If you are an ungrateful person, what type of things are going to be consistently going on in your life? Just name single word answers here. If I'm ungrateful, there's going to be something else going on for some of those things. Pride. Pride. Because I already des- why do I need to thank you for it? Because I already deserve it. Yeah, I, I deserve it. Uh, resentment, oftentimes jealousy, uh, bitterness, a, a lot of self pity, a lot of self pity, um, and and unhappiness. You're going to be a l- much less happy person if you are not grateful. And so we need to be grateful, and we need to express our gratitude. It's not just that he appreciated it he went back and verbally expressed his appreciation and we should do that with god and also with each other uh justin and then um jonathan and then i want to come back and finish the thought there go ahead just think about think about how gratitude changes things uh if if thankfulness is there you said if ingratitude is there what else is there uh i was taking my dog for a walk last night and as i went around the block uh, there was a guy walking in front of me and we got about halfway to my house down, down the street and he took out his uh, uh, McDonald's bag and just threw it on, on the sidewalk and kept walking. Yeah. And I'm just like, ah, it just it frustrates me so badly because there's trash everywhere here. Um, and you know, we take time to pick up around our sidewalk and everything and, and our trash cans were right there. It was trash pickup day. And I said, excuse me, sir, could have gotten me shot i guess but you know i was like excuse me uh i've got trash cans right here i'm about to take them up you know you're welcome to put it i can and he just looked at me and just kept walking uh and you know when we're not grateful it's not about trash but when we're not grateful for the the blessings we have we don't take care of them so think about our relationships think about our families uh our relationship with god holiness purity we're not grateful for those gifts for salvation we don't take care of it yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, I just want to notice something that's consistent through the story is and maybe this is kind of a, a smaller point, but this kind of goes off of what you were saying, Scott. That um, the volume of the guy doesn't change throughout the story. I think it's kind of it's just interesting. In verse twelve and thirteen, when Jesus comes into the uh, into the village, the lepers stand at a distance, and verse thirteen says, "And they lifted up their voices." Yeah. So they're kind of shouting to yeah. Jesus, like. Jesus, save us, help us, you know, have mercy on us kind of thing. And after the man is healed in verse 15, it says he was going back, praising God with a loud voice. Yes. Um, so his, his volume doesn't go down after he gets the blessing. And sometimes people are really good. Like you're very vocal when you need things. Um, give me, give me, like, give me, give me, give me, yeah, give me. Yeah. Help me, help me, help me. I need this. I need this. I need this. And it's fine. 
to ask for help and to ask for things and to ask for, uh, you know, God's help in situations because we need God's help. Um, but if we're very vocal when we're in need and not very vocal when we're not in need, that kind of speaks a pretty loud yeah. volume of, of our attitude. Yeah. Uh, tornadoes coming through and you're, you know, somewhere in the house, you know, praying, praying, praying and praying. Oh, please. Oh, please, please. Oh, and you're begging for hours. Please, please, please. And it goes by. Okay, thanks. I'm going to offer two illustrations here uh, on gratitude. Um, somebody said, what if every day you only started off with the things that you were grateful for the day before? Now, I don't think it's very practical for us to every single day and every single thing that we're grateful for because there's things going on uh you know in, in peter and paul didn't know anything about mitochondria within the cell and it was benefiting them to know it you know but uh we're not going to know everything that's beneficial but just we, we get used to thinking that we deserve things and so here's the illustration guys walking down well that was quite yeah. anticlimactic you know, here's the <laughs> illustration and then he cuts out yeah uh, we might have lost him on battery there yeah that's fine um well we can keep talking about that uh the different lessons and things from here um, yeah one, one point still about thanksgiving before we move on from there uh oh is he back uh, did I did I go out? You, you yep. said here's the illustration, and then you cut. Oh, out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guy. Tell, tell you what, if I go out, give me a little signal, and I'll stop talking. Okay. Guy sees a poor guy. The guy's you know desperately poor. He's in need. The guy walks over, hands him a hundred dollar bill. The guy is thrilled. He is elated. You know he's going to be able to pay some bills. He's get some food he is so oh thank you thank you so much so much so much next week he's walking down that street he sees the guy walks over hands him a hundred dollar bill oh you did it guys so happy. thank you thank you the next week he does it again the next week he does it again this goes on for you know a dozen weeks or so one week he's walking down the street and he sees the guy but he doesn't hand him a hundred dollars the guy says hey where's my hundred dollars <laughs> when we're on the receiving end of grace and kindness from others it's easy for us to start thinking that that's owed to us that's mm -hmm. great. it sounds like maybe an application of that then would be uh to try to get on the giving end uh if we can um nothing nothing makes you more thankful for the service that others give you than to try to replicate it. Uh, I didn't appreciate what my parents did for me until I tried doing it for my children uh, or what teachers have done for me until I start trying to teach others the gospel. Um, so you know, getting busy doing uh, and serving will uh, increase gratitude. I just wanted to point out a, a Psalm, Psalm 50. Um, it's the Psalm 
that may be uh, most famous for the idea that uh, where God, God says, every beast in the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, he says in verse 12, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. And it seems that uh, the people of Israel are sort of having a bad attitude about their sacrifices and their worship. And they think that we're doing God such a great favor by serving him. And, and God pretty much says, you know, you need to forget all this worship stuff because the, the worship I really want uh, in verse 20. Two and 23, he says, mark this, then you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. So living a, a life of gratitude, not just telling God thank you, but living a life that expresses that gratitude is really the kind of worship God wants. And that's what we see with this leper back in, in Luke 17. Any thoughts about uh, why? A Samaritan. Um, I mean, except for that—that's who the guy is. But Luke seems to like pointing out the Samaritans. Luke, throughout the gospel, and you see this in other gospels as well, but I think it's especially pronounced in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, there's an underdog theme all the way through. Uh, Matthew tells about the, the the wise men coming, bring bring expensive gifts. Luke tells about the shepherds who show up. Who, by the way, that was a despised oh. trade in in, in uh, Judaism around this time. Uh, there's a list of despised trades in Jehoiakim Jeremiah's book, Jerusalem in the Time of Jesus. And shepherds and tanners were, were, were both on that list. Uh, there's the, the widow woman, you know, that uh, uh, puts in the two mites. There is the sinful woman compared to Simon the Pharisee at the feast over and over. And then in, it's in Luke, where the priest and the Levite go by and it's the Samaritan, the Samaritan. that helps. Right. But one of the things, interesting thing here is we know from John 4, Jews wouldn't have dealings with Samaritans. Yet in this crowd, it seems they do. Because one is a Samaritan and the others appear mm. not to be because Jesus makes a distinction. Nobody came back except the foreigner. So it's kind of remarkable. Leprosy can humble you. Bad circumstances in life can humble you. You know, like if you get some snooty, uh, uh, oh, Gilligan's Island, um, who was the millionaire? I don't remember his name. But, you know, he probably wouldn't have spent that much time with Gilligan if they'd been back in regular society. But to end up on an island and you're, you're who you're with. Uh, so you're you're both Samaritan you're both lepers you have to walk around saying unclean unclean suddenly some of those other distinctions stop being less important let me throw out another one and i want you guys uh to discuss it um a comparison of being cleansed from leprosy and how serious that was and how hopeless it was and how much gratitude there should have been to a comparison of sin yeah i think we recently talked about this a little bit in ephesians chapter two um there's a really clear picture of a really similar language describing the life of a leper and our lives trapped in sin that we're dead in our trespasses we're cut off from god alienated from the commonwealth of israel um all these different kinds of things without hope um, and so it, it's really interesting to think about 
this uh, these ten lepers, and there is a really small percentage of the ten lepers that are healed that are really thankful for that healing. Just the one guy uh, out of out of the ten, uh, and that's what Jesus says. You know, at the end in verse seventeen, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner. Um, and I think that we can sometimes have that similar uh, type of thing happen in our lives where we receive a, a great gift from God. We receive the forgiveness of our sins. We're washed, we're purified, we're cleansed. Um, and maybe over the course of time, like we become really comfortable and familiar with that. And it starts to become less meaningful. Uh, for us or less valuable uh, to us. Maybe we don't approach God with the same, you know, humility or uh, the same gratitude like we've been talking about um, as maybe we did originally. And it's interesting that Jesus points out that the foreigner is the guy that understands gratitude and that he needs to be thankful. Um, somebody that was kind of an outcast. Um, we as God's people can very easily take God's blessings for granted. And like that illustration that you gave, um, Scott, of the guy that's getting $100 every week, you know, you start to kind of think, oh, forgiveness of sins is owed to me. Yeah. Um, well, it's not. Every single time it's a gift. Um, and God likes to give gifts and he wants to give the gifts to us. But the more familiar and comfortable we get with that, the less it will mean for us in our lives. I think that's one of the reasons why God and Jesus established a, a weekly reminder of the price that was paid for our sins. Um, that's why we, we remember the Lord's death every week and why we should remember the Lord's death every week and the great um, you know, suffering that he went through because of our sins um, and examining ourselves and, and seeing the love of God illustrated in that sacrifice. Because... Um, if we really think seriously about it, there's, there's no one that couldn't be affected by the power of that amount of love and sacrifice. Um, but if we just keep going through the motions of it, it becomes less important, less valuable. Um, but the healing from leprosy is nothing in comparison to the healing from sin of like what God has given us. Um, so we should be even more thankful and more, more, you know, praising God and more, uh, active in our thankfulness to him than, than this one leper is. But oftentimes we can find ourselves, I think, more in the position of the nine people that just kind of take God's gift and go about our lives. Um, and then the next time that we need God's gift, we ask him to give us another gift and then keep going about our lives. Um, and that's just, you know, I think it'd be helpful to think about how would you feel if you were God <laughs> um, and, and you gave people your son and he died for them. And they said, thanks. And that was it. <laughs> and then they, they go on with their lives. Um, so. Yeah, I think about, um, you know, illustrations for this and trying, trying to put it, I mean, there's nothing that quite fits, right? Um, our, our lives have been pulled up from the pit. We've been saved from hell uh, and eternal destruction. I mean, just... Uh, separation from God forever. Uh, those are things that we've not experienced. But um, when we look at the cross, we see something of the cost of sin. 
uh, and we see what sin uh, looks like uh, in the mind of, of God. Uh, so we, we've got to we've got to do more to try to appreciate just how ugly uh, and horrendous and deadly sin is that we might better appreciate being saved by it. Um, it you know, if 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 a teenager is out driving a car and through carelessness they wreck it, and then the parent says, "Well, uh, I know you really like that car. Uh, you know, you saved up for that car." tell you what, I'll sell my car so we have enough to buy your car. And they go, oh, thanks a lot. And then next week through carelessness and recklessness, they, they destroy that car too. Um, they might say thanks, uh, but they didn't take care of, of what had been sacrificed to give them uh, in a much bigger way, of course. Uh, God has given up so much and, and demonstrated so much love and grace toward us. Um, we ought to be living lives remembering that that it's a gift, uh, that the breath that I have, uh, the time that I have uh, is, is now to be used for him. Uh, there's a story in Luke as well. I think it's in Luke, is it Luke 11. Um, it's where Jesus uh, raises up, maybe it's Luke 7. Uh, he raises up the uh, son of the widow of Nain. Um, does that ring a bell to anybody? Should just look it up. Um, um, yep, there it is. Uh, Luke 7, verse 11. Uh, Jesus goes to a town called Nain, uh, and there's a widow there. There's a funeral procession, and Jesus pauses the funeral, uh, commands the young man who is dead uh, to get up, uh, and he gives him back to his mother. And the response to the crowd, of course, is worship. Uh, but I just think about what with that young man, what his response to that resurrection must have been. You know, his mom is a widow. She has nobody to take care of him. I don't know what this man used to do in his life, how he used to order his days. But if, if you found Jesus had just raised you from the dead and given you back to your mom, you don't tell your mom the next day, well, this has been great, mom. Uh, I think I'm going to, you know, go hang out with my friends. And uh, in fact, I'm probably going to move away and like Jesus raises him up to give him to his mother to comfort her. Uh, he's been raised up for a purpose. Um, for him to go on and live selfishly for his own pleasures after that would just be um, to spurn the gift that Jesus had given him. I think in the same way, Jesus raised us up, not for our own sake alone, uh, but raised us up and gave us for service and gave us for the pleasure of God. Uh, and if we're grateful, then we'll live for that purpose. Another thing is that we take so many things for granted until we don't have it. Uh, you know, um, we take our feet and our legs for granted until we can't use them. We take our sight for granted until we can't see. We take uh, liberty uh, in being able to worship without being arrested for granted until that ends um so many things we, we take people for granted we take god for granted we take people for granted and there's a certain selfishness in that and if we will continually remind ourselves and what y'all said about how we view ourselves in the need of our salvation two verses come to mind one in second peter it said 
those that are short-sighted and forget the cleansing of their old sins. Mm -hmm. Titus, it reminds us, because we used to be like the lost are now. And so we don't need to get uh, puffed up. And some people, I think, either when they become a Christian, perhaps, or later after years of service, get the idea that God is lucky to have them. And we need to remember who's, who's blessed to have who and, and be, be grateful. Amen. I'm out, out of battery. I want to throw out one more question and then you guys finish after my battery goes out here. Um, the lesson from this, uh, another, so many lessons here, but another one is the person that is going to do the right thing is not always the one that you would expect. Um, yeah, I think I see where Scott was going. Um, oftentimes the ones that, uh, you would expect would be the ones that would respond to God are not usually the ones that will respond to God. Um, but the ones that you expect would respond to would respond to God don't. Um, and that's something that Jesus or that, uh, Paul said about the Corinthians years later, uh, in first Corinthians chapter one, um, uh, he says in verse 26, uh, first Corinthians one, consider your calling brothers. Not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Uh, and God chose what is weak in the world to shame, even the strong and what was low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring nothing to things that are. Um, so, you know, Paul even says that. And you look at Jesus's, like, um, his inner circle of friends, the apostles, um, there are nobodies, <laughs> uh, you know, almost all of them. They're just fishermen and, and outcasts and, and all kinds of people like that. Um, and I think sometimes we can have an attitude where uh, we can try to figure out if we should or shouldn't spend our time trying to teach the gospel to somebody based on some observations about them. So we can maybe see somebody walking down the street and think, oh, no, yeah, that, there's no way that that guy or, or that girl would want anything to do with church or religion <laughs> or to talk about Jesus. I'm not even going to attempt. Um, and that's really not fair. It's not our responsibility to judge people's hearts. That's God's responsibility to do that. Um, we're supposed to go out and sow the seed and be impartial where we, where we're sowing the seed and God will give the increase. Um, we're not supposed to go and, and measure the, the levels of, you know, the nutrients and the soils and all that kind of stuff before we decide if we're going to put seed there. Um, yeah. God's word is powerful enough to, to change people. Um, but we can also do the opposite thing where we think, uh, oh, this person is, is going to respond to the gospel and maybe put all of our you know, eggs in one basket and then realize, no, they really don't care. <laughs> um, and that can be really frustrating and disappointing. Um, but if we just spend our time spreading the word to everyone, the people that have soft hearts that will be affected by God's word will come. Um, they will respond and often it will be not, not always, but often, I think it will be those that you, that you don't expect. Um, and Scott, you probably have more experience that with that than I do, um, in the years that you've spent, you know, working with oh. people, but man, people surprise you all the time. Yeah. A, a guy that used to get me most of my studies in new England, 
was, oh, his background was such a mess, you know, and uh, the day the day he was baptized, he started telling the story to the two guys in the car with him, the two brothers, and kind of hurt his feelings because one said to the other one in front of him, this one's yours, you know, because, uh, but yeah, you, you look at this city where there's Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus for dinner, and there's a woman notoriously known in the, city, in the village for being a sinner, and who's responding to Jesus. In Philippi, there's a two very different people, a wealthy woman who we might think, well, she won't be interested, and then a jailer, a Roman jailer, and, and both of them become disciples. In Corinth, there's slaves, and there's also the city treasurer of the capital of Greece. Um, so the, we, we need to watch out for assuming we know who's going to react right and who's not. And then, of course, you get to, to Judas later, and Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And they all look at G, uh, Judas and say, yeah, it's the guy with the dark eyeliner. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> they don't think it's Judas. You know, so people you think will be faithful, and you kind of uh, if we're not careful, we'll start following people. Back in First Corinthians one, they were following Cephas or Paul or Apollos. Uh, and if we're not careful, we'll start hitching our faith onto people rather than on Christ. Uh, so yeah, um, pe people will surprise us. Uh, and I, I want to say that maybe even the Samaritan surprised Jesus. Uh, he was hoping maybe for more from these other nine. Uh, he was surprised at their ingratitude. We looked at the passage in Mark last time where. Uh, he was amazed at their unbelief. Um, God expects a certain kind of response from us, and may we not disappoint him. Right, anything good. else you guys want to uh, point out in that passage? Thanks for the good discussion. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, thank you to our audience for tuning in. If you have any questions or other thoughts or, or observations that you want to share with us or questions you'd like us to talk about on the show uh, from this passage or anywhere else, uh, in the scripture, uh, you can go to our website, BibleQuest.tv, and you can submit those questions in the, uh, in the forum there and leave your information, and we'll be happy to get to those in our future shows. That's all that we have for this week, and so we will plan on seeing everyone next time. Love you.